mildly entertaining, somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms podcast with your host, Ray Gillenwater. Welcome Amanda Shepard to the show. Amanda is a starting strength coach. She is the head coach at Starting Strength Beaverton. She worked under Jared Nesland in the collegiate strength and conditioning world before joining Starting Strength Gyms. And she just got nominated for Coach of the Year by her members. So welcome, Coach of the Year. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, what, what, uh, why did you win Coach of the Year? What, what, uh, <laughs> what, what to be that? honest, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm as shocked as everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, you know, I haven't been in this world long, um, as far as starting strength specifically goes, mm. but, um, uh, I mean, I'd like to think I do a good job with my clients. So, um, you know, had some good things to say and everybody that got the email was like, Oh, I voted or, um, you know, sent. I had a couple of online clients send in some videos too, I think. So, nice. um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I was as shocked as everybody else. <laughs> well, congratulations. I know Jen Thank Smith you. over there, the owner uh, loves you. I've seen you in action. I know your members love you. Um, if if you really care about your clients, your members, and you're really good at what you do, people tend to really appreciate it because of uh, of how much you end up helping them with what they're trying to accomplish, which in our case is getting stronger. And then all the side effects that come along with, with getting stronger and how that improves day-to-day -day life. Um, can you think of one of the nominations that came in that, that jumps out at you? Something one of your members said that, uh, that was touching or a story that one of your members um, has been through that, that's worth sharing on the podcast? Honestly, uh, one of the videos that um, it was actually... I think it was like eight minutes long or so, uh, was Linda White. Um, she's an online client of mine and she has been so cool to work with. I mean, her, her history, um, kind of in trying to get strong. If I remember correctly, I think she's 70, 71. Um, and she's out of, uh, Minnesota and she just had great things to say about, um, just kind of the program itself. And then obviously our relationship has grown. Um, she was doing a ton of stuff, actually working with a precision nutrition coach um, and wanted to get stronger and just, you know, gave the, uh, the books to her precision nutrition coach. And um, actually she, the, I guess the coach was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so um, yeah, actually, absolutely. So when I spoke with Linda, she was like, I knew that I had to go hire a coach that knew how to do it. And, you know, when I talked with you, you had everything kind of laid out and we had a good conversation initially, a good consult. Um, you know, she does a lot of stuff. She's very active. She likes to kayak. Um, you know, she's always working in her yard. So the intensity level of her everyday life is, uh, you know, she has to stay strong for it. So, um, you know, she went through all of her uh, her history kind of aches and pains and, and what has, what has really improved with her, um, and just dialing in her form and, and keeping the bar heavy when it needs to be. And then, uh, you know, she, like I said, she goes on a ton of different, uh, kayaking events and trips. And so kind of figuring out ways to keep her healthy and safe for that stuff, but also 
push the intensity. She is very close to pulling. I think she pulled like 193 or so off the ground. So she's real close. She's got a uh, 15 kilo bar. So she's pretty close to pulling 200 off the ground. And I know it's, it's she's itching for it. Um, wow. So it, that that really stuck out to me. She's she's great to work with. What's her name? Linda White. Linda White. Welcome to the Starting Strength Beaverton Gym satellite location in St. Paul, Minnesota. So glad to have you here. So after listening to a podcast on the Starting Strength Network, I called and talked to Rebecca Skinner and told her that what my goals were. My number one goal is I need to stay strong because I do not want to go back on osteoporosis medicine. I have osteoporosis. I want to be strong to enjoy my favorite activity, sea kayaking. I love going out on Lake Superior. It's a lot of fun, but these boats are heavy. Number three, I want to be strong so that I don't become a burden to my adult children. So Rebecca gave me the names of three coaches. I did a lot of online research and I felt pretty good about Amanda. And so made an appointment to speak with her and we had a, an interview on April 26th. On April 27th, I had my first workout sitting right in front of me on True Coach. The one thing is important is Amanda respects the age, but doesn't let the age be a stopping point. She has no hesitation to telling me to put additional weight on the bar. Hiring Amanda as my starting strength coach has definitely been one of my best moves for 2022. I think I've come a long way in my understanding of the mechanics and actually I'm now helping a friend and letting them into my, my gym every so often. Her qualifications and all of the qualifications of the starting strength coaches is amazing and the process that they have to do to go through to be certified. I respect that. She is a wonderful communicator and you can understand clearly what she's asking of you. If something's a little confusing, you write back, ask a question and you get a better answer. I can honestly say that in the five months that I have been working with Amanda, the body fat's gone down, but more importantly, the percent of muscle skeletal mass has gone up. Who says you can't create more muscle as you age? Not in my book. I think Amanda should definitely be the starting strength coach for 2022. She's got my vote. Go, Amanda. She yeah, sounds like absolutely. a really cool lady. 70 plus, yeah. pulling 200, kayaking. Got her nutrition Absolutely. dialed in. She's got an online coach lifting barbells by herself. Is she lifting at home or at a commercial gym? She's in her in her garage. She calls it um oh gosh, I'm gonna get this wrong. Linda's it's like L L A G. Like she always refers to it in her in her posts and in her uh, you know, I'm back at L L A G and uh um, you know, so she she's got a great setup and um, you know, everything that we possibly need to to get her strong. So Hell yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Well, good for her for knowing that that's the right solution for what she wants to do with life and good for you for helping her out. Um, yeah, she's been cool. She's what, been cool. what, uh, how has it helped her? Has she shared that with you at all? Like what, what was her situation? What problem was she trying to solve? 
Yeah, she, well, honestly, she just wants to stay on the water. So she, in her video, she had all of her kayaks off to the side on her garage wall. And um, she's so funny when she comes back from a trip, she'll tell me like, you know, we got to lift them out of the water and we got to get the kayaks up over our heads and onto people's cars. And I'm always the one running over and helping people do that and get them up, uh, you know, tight in tight and everything. So she talks about the the transition between making that easy. Um, you know, she redid her uh, like a walkway um at her house all by herself, like a brick walkway. And, you know, so she'll tell me, Hey, I ended up doing all this yesterday. Um, so we'll see how things go. And, you know, but she's always, she always brings a, a ton of energy to, I mean, she's lifting by herself. So to pull on her own discipline and her own, uh, her own energy level, and then give me a bunch of notes back on, on how it went. You know, she, uh, um, her son's getting married here soon. And, you know, so she's got a, a little bit of a busy weekend, I think at the beginning of November. So she knows, Hey, you know, I can give you two really good weeks and then I got some people in town. So I gotta, I gotta figure some stuff out and I want to try to get a lift in before they come from the airport. So she's, she's about as dialed in as I've ever known a client to be, uh, as far as she knows how she feels, she knows her schedule. I mean, that in and of itself is great when you have a client that's just, you know, here's what I got coming up. Here's what I have to be ready for. Um, it's just helpful. It's helpful to a coach that we make sure we're, you know, we want to push people and we want to get them strong, but we know that, you know, as much as I love this and this is my passion, uh, it's just a part of these people's lives and we want to get them strong enough to be able to, you know, sustain what they're, what they're doing. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's, I've said it a few times. It's my favorite demographic. We've got a, a group of grandmas at the Boise gym and, uh, yeah. you know, this isn't like a nice to have for them. This is like a, you know, Rip says staving off death. That's part of it. But also part of it is mm -hmm. like, well, while I'm here, what am I going to be able to do? Um, and when they, when they see how profound the changes are and how drastically different and better their lives are after they become stronger, it, it, it becomes their job. You know, these ladies yeah. schedule their whole lives around coming to the gym and they schedule their eating and their sleeping. And it's all about how to get stronger and keep attending sessions because then when they're not in the gym, they can do the things that they want to do. So that's, that's satisfying for me. Although you're, you're more experienced than I am as a coach. Um, cause I've actually been, uh, hesitant about coaching kind of 70 plus people remotely because I, I feel like I may not be able to see everything I, I need to see to prevent an issue from happening. And I'm just extra nervous and cautious with, uh, with older trainees, just based on the fact that, uh, you know, bones aren't as dense ligaments are, uh, are, aren't quite as elastic, that kind of thing, ligaments and tendons. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so, so kudos, kudos to you. Um, Thank you. how did she find you by the way? Um, through, I think she just looked up through the, uh, she got in touch with, um, Rebecca Skinner. Hmm. So she went, she went through and, and looked up just a coach that would work, looked at the profiles and read through, um, you know, I, I was, I'm fortunate to have, uh, past clients that have left really good reviews and she just, you know, so, uh, Rebecca reached out and said, Hey, I got this. I have a woman that she, this is what she does. She loves doing this, that, and the other, so many activities. So, um, kind of figuring out how to navigate those waters of, um, keeping her strong. And like I said, she had a really good story. So listening to her talk that first initial, like half hour, 45 minutes on the phone, just gathering all that information. So the, the, um, you know, that pipeline works to, to get people matched up correctly. Nice. And, um, are you taking on more online clients at the moment or are you full? Um, I am. Yeah. I'm still, cool. still working towards, uh, you still got a little bit more to my roster. Um, you know, I, I do as far as the, like you said, with the experience of the older demographic, I actually have also a 75 year old online, um, oh. who found this and she's actually closer to me. Uh, she's down in uh, Medford, 
or just past Medford, Oregon, a little further south. So she was actually just in the gym last week. Uh, she came up to at least get some in-person coaching, but um, yeah, she was she was great. Again, just getting how to start them slow and then get them to the right spot so that they're comfortable doing it on their own. Mm. Um, sure, you get a you get a little nervous because they're pushing heavy weights, but um, taking it slow enough to make sure that they're comfortable. And, um, so yeah, absolutely. Taking, taking as many as I can get to, to help them around the, around the country. There you have it guys. Coach of the year. If you want to access her with online coaching, you've got, uh, you, she's got availability beaverton.ssgyms.com. You can sign up to the gym and get coaching by Amanda. Um, Jim Claire, we had him on the podcast. Yeah. First 600 pound deadlifter in the franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, from my, from my understanding, you you were managing most of his coaching and programming. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yep. hell yeah. Good for you. So you kind of know yeah. what you're doing here. Um, uh, a little bit. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're you're young. Are you 30 yet? 31. 31. Yeah. 31. But you've been doing this a long time. Can you can you break down for me, kind of go in reverse? So, so your head coach at Beaverton, prior to mm -hmm. that, you were a coach under Jared Nesland at Denver. And then prior to that, you were in the collegiate system. I'd, I'd love to hear about your experience in the college world. Absolutely. Yeah. So after right before I moved to Denver, I was the Olympic director of sports performance over at Northern Illinois University. And that was actually my um, my alma mater. Um, and so I was there for two years. And prior to those two years is when I met Jared. Mm -hmm. um, so just to kind of backtrack from that, I was a graduate assistant um, at NIU. That's where I did my grad school work. I played softball and then went right into grad school from there. Um, worked for two years as a grad assistant. And then I went to uh, the conference to get my certification uh, for the collegiate setting. And that's where I met Jared uh, and did like a quick little 10 minute talk and um, then actually met out at a it's kind of a funny story, met out at a bar later, um, you know, the collective of us, all the coaches and the guy that I was uh, working with at the time, he hands me a beer and he goes, go sit down next to Jared Nestlin and, and talk with him. I'm like, this is weird. So I go over there and hand this beer to Jared. And I'm like, Hey, I sat down. He was like, kind of looks at me like, what the hell is this woman doing? And I just sat there between him and two coaches. And I was like, listening to him talk and I'd insert a word or two every once in a, once in a while. And, and then, uh, and then, yeah, that kind of prompted him to uh, do a phone interview with him and Tom DeStazio, which is another uh, SSE who was his assistant, his first assistant over at Sacramento state. Oh, that's the connection. Okay. I didn't realize Estazio yeah. and Nestle worked together. I know they're buds. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were together for a while there. Um, and I had a pretty good phone interview. Um, you know, at the, I think they said to to the guy I was working with that, you know, did you coach her through this? And, uh, you know, so it was I said some good things. And so they brought me on for a uh, for an on campus and and things went uh, things went really well. So they offered me the job when I got home and um, I was actually in between that and uh, the uh, uh, army in uh, in New York. And um, and it, it was it was weird because. I think I wanted it that with the other side of things, United States military, it was, you know, I could have done the science portion of it, but Jared was ready to give me a job to, to be a coach and have all these teams. I'm like, that's what I want to do. You know, I, as much as I enjoy the science aspect, um, I want to, I want to get hands-on. I want to be with, with athletes. Um, so I worked for, for him for two years and he's the one that threw the books at me. He goes, buy these, read them now. 
So I spent the summer reading the books and tried it on myself. And then once I got on campus, Tom took me through, I think reluctantly, it's like, oh God, I got to coach another person <laughs> uh, through this. And uh, he, you know, showed me how to put the bar in the right spot and bend over. And so I just, uh, I'm like, God, why have I not been doing this for so long? Um, and did that for two years. And then, uh, and then after I was his assistant for a couple of years, I went back to Northern Illinois. And that's when I got the position as the Olympic director um, over there for a couple of years. Um, so when, went a, so a little long winded on it. When you got the books, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, you've been in athletics your whole life. So I imagine you'd already been lifting. Did you just do a, an LP at that point? And, and if so, what, what was that like? Absolutely. I, um, so going into, I trained as an athlete in college, um, you know, up until, uh, 20, this would have been 2013. And then I, my senior year, I actually had knee surgery. Um, you know, and I had athletic trainers and PTs tell me that I would never squat more than, you know, 40% of what I was doing mm. at the time. And, you know, in college, my numbers were, you know, low 200, it's nothing exciting. And, um, you know, I was like, no way, man. Like I, I like this stuff. I want this to be my job. And you're telling me I'm never going to be able to do it again. Mm. Uh, it was a little upsetting, but I kept training. I was a little bit, I was high bar and, um, a little bit more Olympic lifting focused. Um, I had a good coach, um, that would help train me six days a week. We were doing like Olympic lifts and, and strength training. Um, it was actually the first time I did like Texas method. Now that I look back at it, it was like, Oh, he had me on Texas method. That's weird. I didn't really put two and two together. Um, but then when I uh, got the books, I was like, okay, let me just take it back and do an actual LP. And, um, I think I had, like, I was doing things a little bit wrong as far as grip and eye position and from what I was reading in the book. So Tom straightened me out and, and then I just worked the rest of the the rest of the LP up and started trying to program for myself after that and, you know, live and you learn through some of those things. But, um, yeah, it was exciting. I think I got up to like two, two seventy for a triple, if I remember correctly after that. And I was like, Oh, okay. this is something's working. On your um, progression. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from being told, and I don't even know why medical professionals do this at this point. This is like, I how many agree. stories do you have? Of like, oh, he had two two years left to live. He'd never be able to walk again. Blah blah blah. Doctors, why why do you say shit like this? Just stop. I, I would <laughs> like to know like, the answer to that. Don't too. give people permission to not push themselves and to do less. Yeah. You know, uh, but luckily yeah. you're not one of those people that would would take that as permission. And so you uh, you found a way to get it done. And then and then so are you saying that your linear progression ended with a two seventy ish squat? Or is yeah, that, I think I I would say in, in the grand scheme of me working through that, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was the end of when I was doing it, like actual LP AB. Yeah. Um, but towards the end of like where I was probably starting to get into some intermediate type training, I, gotcha. I squatted 270 for a triple. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause that'd be annoying for a lot of guys or, uh, and their LP at about the same <laughs> men that end their LP at about the same <laughs> number. So I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah. 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 There's one thing that, um, that you can't replace, which is experience. You know, uh, you're, you're young. Um, and I imagine you get some grief in the gym when, uh, when guys come in expecting a, a dude with a 20 inch neck to sit there and teach them how to get big and strong. And then you've got a 31 year old woman who's, uh, you know, looks young and, uh, it's like, well, how, what do you know? And that, the answer is a lot, a hell of a lot because yeah. of the experience. And it's not, this isn't just reading and theoretical stuff in school. This is, hands-on athletes getting people moving correctly and then the programming stuff as evidenced by Jim Clare is where it really really makes a difference because he's squatting mid 500 set lifting 600 um, his numbers are are fantastic 
do, do you deal with that in the gym at all? Do you, do you have to overcome, uh, you know, your image versus what your capability is? I imagine that's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always been because like in college I worked with, uh, the football team and, you know, especially when I was with Jared, he was like, no, you're gonna, you're gonna assist football. And, um, you know, so there's some good stories there, uh, you know, that I could always tell that, you know, when I had to kind of stand up on the platform and, and puff the chest a little bit, just to make it seem like it could hold my own and not allow them to, to question whether, whether or not I knew what I was doing. So, um, I think I learned in that setting just to kind of just be confident in what I was saying and, and not back down and be able to back it up with a little bit, maybe, okay. So I wasn't squatting 315 or 365, you know, like these total players, but I, I was working, I was working hard and, and squatting some heavy weights and deadlifting and, you know, so if they were, I wanted to lift when people could see that, you know, especially in the collegiate setting. And then, um, you know, now it's, you know, being in this setting and, and Jim being, you know, specifically a, a good example, um, you know, coming into the gym, he, he looked like a, like he lifted in the past and, um, you know, he, he knew some things and he wanted to be strong, but I'm sure, you know, put me and Jared next to each other to his mind. I'm sure he would have been like, oh, I'm wish I had Jared as my coach, but he was stuck in the 415 class and, and Jared was coaching the mornings and the noon. And, um, you know, but I just, I was confident, like I said, just, Hey, here's matter. It's matter of fact that this is what you're going to do. And if you listen, it'll, you'll be successful. If you don't, you'll, you're going to miss, <laughs> you know, so, and I've done this before. So just yeah. listen to what I tell you and it will work. Yeah. yeah so it was, uh, again, it, there is a good amount of good amount of stories, but, uh, and it goes, I think it really goes both ways. Cause it's, you know, you have the younger demographic or the, the male, you know, you're the men that walk in and they're just like, you know, where's the, where's my strength coach, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then you get like the older clients or the, the older females that are, you know, deep four kids deep. And, you know, that's another one that's like, I don't have kids yet. And, you know, I, this is some of those things it's, Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll realize when you get older, when you start having kids and when they make comments like that, it's like, okay, like I, I get it. But at the same time, I still know, you know, physiologically, I understand things and mm -hmm. um, maybe I'm not 50, 60, 70 years, year, years old, but I'm hoping, hoping I still know what I'm doing when I'm that age too. Yeah. And you, you accumulated a bunch of experience starting at a young age. So even though you're still young, you're, you're still experienced. Both are possible. Right. Right. Um, how many athletes do you think you've trained over the years in the collegiate system? That's tough. I mean, you know, I wasn't like, there's these coaches that, I mean, specifically Jared, I mean, he's been, he was in the game for 20 years, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, you know, so you accumulate different teams, different athletes, um, you know, in, in the hundreds, you know, as far as I was about six and a half years, um, with smaller teams like basketball, softball, then I get the golfs and the, and the, the, you know, the tennis or the track and field. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was probably a good, uh, approaching, you know, the thousand mark or so, if I had to put a number on it, you know, it's when you're, you know, when they're cycling through year, year after year, and, um, you know, you're moving along from my grad school years to after, uh, when I was Olympic, maybe not specifically my teams, like I said, I worked with the football team, but I didn't, uh, I wasn't their head coach. I wasn't programming for them. And, um, you know, so there's always changes you'd make when you, when you think they would be your team. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've, I've accumulated a good, a good chunk. Did you use starting strength style programming primarily in the collegiate world or what, what was your approach like in general? Absolutely. After I, after I read the books and, you know, 
uh, Jared and Tom both, they were just like, listen, this is what we do. We, it's how we coach the lifts. And, um, you know, there's nuance to it because you're going to get the coaching, the coaches, the team coaches, that sport coaches specifically that are like, I need this, I need this, I need this. And I don't want you doing, you know, certain movements with them. So you have to defend it. Um, but for the most part, I had a good couple of coaches that were like, do what you want, you know, do, do what you need to do. Um, they just need to be ready to play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And so I got away with it a little bit in the off season where I could run a, I would say it was a modified linear progression. I had to I only had an hour with them. So mm-hmm had to pair a lot. I had to, if I wanted to get eyes on the athletes, um, I had to pair some things, uh, that I normally wouldn't now, um, just to get some time to get around to all the athletes. Mm. Um, cause very rarely was I working with an intern or anything. And even if I was working with an, with an intern, they don't know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, you know, it's, I was in a room or something. Yeah. There was upwards of, I think like the softball team that I worked with was like 25. I was with rowers. That was, I mean, there were close to 35 of them in the, in the, in the gym at a time. So I'm like constantly on my feet running around trying to, trying to see at least their last set of squats and progress them the way they needed to. And so, and yeah, I guess. Programming for all these people. Yeah, absolutely. Damn. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a job. I'm uh, it can be stressful for a new coach to manage seven people in a group training session at a starting strength gym with 90 minutes. So 35 in an hour is a, uh, is a whole nother situation. Yeah, I think Jared and I really said that that was the biggest thing coming into these gyms together uh, was that we were going to be able to handle the, the the pressure a little bit because it was almost like a vacation mm-hmm. <laughs> going from, you know, 35 to 40, 40 guys or whatever down to seven, eight people. Um, you know, you're the one saying, who's ready? Who's ready? Who's ready? And you're pointing around like timers are going off and they're ready to get back underneath the bar. Um, so that was that was a nice, a nice break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can just give uh, that extra level of attention, you know, lower quantity, Absolutely. higher quality, right? Absolutely. Which is what these people Absolutely. are paying for. And 20-year-old kids that are freak athletes are uh, are pretty hard to screw up. You can just expose them to stress and then they'll they'll grow. But, uh, you know, 70-year-old grandmas in the gym need a little more of a, a cautious eye when it comes to making sure exactly. they're safe and making progress. Exactly. Yeah. What, what else did you notice about the differences between coaching in a collegiate setting versus coaching at a starting strength gym? You know, obviously, man, I, I, I mean, I thought I was an okay coach, um, coming into the gym at Denver, um, you know, still learning, still trying to gain as much information and knowledge as I could, but, um, just realizing, like you said, you know, college athletes are, um, there's, it's so much easier because you could just show them how to do something. Hey, do it like this. And Mm -hmm. they just repeat it. It just looks like, the way it's supposed to look. And when you have people that come in here and they have zero awareness of their body um, and how to put themselves in certain positions, it really tests you as a coach to, uh, <laughs> to find different ways to do things and say things. Um, because no matter how many times you say it, you're like, Oh my God, they're just not getting it. Yeah, <laughs> they I might do hear this? what you're saying, but they don't know how to translate that into physical movement. Yeah. yeah. Or they think they're doing it. They're sure. like, I, aren't I doing what you're saying? Yeah, I am pointing uh, my chest down. I am bending over. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, that was a big difference. Like I said, I, I, you know, I grew a lot in that first, that first year at Denver, um, you know, just pushing myself out of that comfort zone and really, really trying to, uh, you know, elaborate on some of the things, some of the cues that I had and, and how to, how to get things across to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate to be where I'm at because it, it happened, uh, 
you know, relatively quickly, I guess, in the grand scheme of things, you know, going from being like a, a level two or a staff coach, you know, in the, in the evening times to being able to put myself in a position to be an SSE and, and then be a head coach. So, um, yeah. Come along so that was a, very quickly. Congratulations. Yeah. So that was, that's definitely a, a big difference. Um, you know, and, and I think I, I'm, I'm grateful for it because it's, I think it's made me a better coach in the long run. I would imagine that, uh, trainees at a starting strength gym are probably easier to coach. Obviously not in the sense that, you know, the movement, the ability to move is, is, uh, not quite as good as a collegiate athlete, but the desire I'm guessing is probably much greater because I've only coached a couple of, of, uh, student athletes. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I find it to be, it's, it's usually not their main thing. They usually have other priorities. They, they usually oh, yeah. don't, you know, it's like their parents are paying for it. They'd rather be doing something else. They're tired from training. Their sport is their thing. Lifting weights is just kind of an annoyance. I'm assuming the level of buy-in is different for the members at, at the gym. Can you elaborate on that for me? Absolutely. I think that that's, uh, you know, when they're paying for it, you know, you're, you, you have somebody who's hiring a professional to show them how to do things correctly so that they can get stronger, not get hurt and feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it's in the collegiate setting, they're required, you know, the coach says, Hey, you got to be here at this time. We have a meeting, then we have practice, then you have to lift, and then you got to go to study tables. Mm-hmm. So they're required to be there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to really give credit to the, to the athletes that I worked with that loved being in the weight room. I mean, they made my job fun at that point because they saw the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed coaching, you know, those athletes that, that wanted to be there, but th- at the end of the day, that wasn't what they were getting paid to do. They were getting paid, getting a scholarship to play a sport. Um, you know, so if the coach had the coach had the authority and if it was going to be, Hey, you know, the, they're cooked after practice, we're not coming to lift. That's what was going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, so it's, you, you realize where you are on the, on the pecking order and, uh, and strength coaches in the collegiate setting are always at the bottom. And I, and I think you could ask any strength coach current, um, or that has left the industry. I guarantee you, they feel the same way. It's, you know, you, you work your ass off to try to get to a point where they respect you. And, you know, these football coaches that are getting paid millions of dollars or whatever, hundreds of thousands of dollars to be the strength coach, uh, you know, of a big team, but it's like, all right, just, just don't hurt them at that point. Um, you know, so, so that's a huge difference because, the client wants to be there. They see the benefit. You're, you have their best interest at heart. Not that you don't as a college strength coach. Um, it's just here. They're trusting you with their investment and, and you got to make it there. Yeah. You got to make it worth it for them. Yeah. My understanding of, uh, of a collegiate strength in quotes job, uh, strength coach's job is, uh, yell loudly, um, <laughs> and then have people do a bunch of silly balance and agility related stuff, which, which I think is silly, um, just based on my own experience with it as an athlete and based on my understanding of how the stress recovery adaptation process works. Is there, this is not a loaded question. I'm asking you in earnest, is Mm -hmm. is there any validity to the functional training stuff that you can see? Do you have any experience with the functional training stuff? Have you used it on any athletes? Um, have you compared your athletes to athletes that have done exclusively functional training? I would love just to hear your point of view of someone that's been in the thick of it versus my point of view where I kind of have a general impression based on being on the outside. Yeah. I worked with, um, 
you know, a lot of teams that relied on, you know, their athletic trainers or hiring out, um, hiring out professionals or, or people that did the functional movement screens and, and just made it seem really, uh, um, you know, this person's me valgus is, is very aggressive. And if we don't fix it, it's going to be, you know, we're, we're probably, she's probably going to tear her ACL. And, you know, we really got to focus on that aspect and she's got to get the balancing down and, and, you know, she's going to be able to, you know, hop and land on one leg with no, no movement whatsoever. And it's like, that's not even, that's not even sport. You know, when you, when you really think about it, you're, you are moving, you're cutting, you're moving, you're putting your joints at different angles. And um, so, a lot of times, like I said, when I first came out of, uh, out of undergrad and I was going into my grad school, um, years, I had to, I forget what it was called now, some sort of titleist thing where it had all these mobility stretches and li a library of things that I had to look and and write down a bunch of, uh, uh, like a mobility drill sheet of things that the golfers that I worked with had to do in order to improve their swing. And I'm like, okay. So I went to town, like, I'm like, all right, let's try this one. Let's try this one. And, you know, so when people ask me now in the gym, they're like, what mobility things should I do? Or what stretching should I do? And I'm like, nothing that <laughs> just load the movements and, uh, you know, stretch when you need to, if it makes you feel good, sure. Go do your stretches, but loaded movement patterns. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Loaded movement patterns. And, and, you know, even if it's somebody that can't squat to depth right away, you know, they're so, they're so weak that they can't get out of the hole and you, you use a box to lower them down over time. You're still using that movement pattern and that load to make that movement, that range of motion permanent. Yep. So like I said, I, I'm like, you know, you go home, you do all these movements and these stretches that are, that might work acutely in that moment in time, but mm -hmm. there's no permanent stressor to, uh, to allow it to be something they feel comfortable and strong in that range of motion. Um, you know, so doing all of those things, I guess, to get back to your original question, doing all those things, I kind of saw, I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're trying to prevent things that are really going to happen on the court, whether you want it to or not, or on the field, whether you want it to or not. And, um, and you're setting them up to almost fear movement. And um, so why don't we just get them strong? Why don't we just put a barbell on their back and get them, you know, generally strong. And then you go, improve their skill. Mm -hmm. You will show them how to be an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never won that battle. I, I actually, I actually had a physical therapist tell me that uh, there was an athlete who tore ACL and she asked me why I'm not doing single leg stuff on that side only. She should be doing single leg stuff on that side, specifically higher reps, lower weight. Like she could still squat, but I need you to do like extra single leg stuff on that leg alone, eight to 10 reps. Um, so she can get comfortable, uh, again, using that leg. And, and it was, it felt like it was just an audience looking at me as she was telling me these things. And I'm like, I disagreeing with her. Um, yeah, it was big. It was big. I got a lot of stories like that where you're just like, okay, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to win this battle. Like I said, you remember my pecking order. So I just, I shrugged my shoulders and okay. <laughs> so the PT thinks that the trainee with an ACL injury should balance on one leg which is a less stable position for the joint than balancing on two legs? Essentially, yeah. And do like, a, you know, rear foot elevated split squats or split squats in general and, you know, just work that leg because that's the leg that was injured. Um, you know, this was also this, you know, you, you get the same situation where they're, they're running and they're jumping before they can even squat an empty barbell. It's like, they're so, they're so quick to, we want to get them back on the field. We want to get them back on the court that it's like, they're not even, they can't even squat their body weight yet. Can you steal um, man, that argument for me? What, what is the, how would the PT defend that position? Do you, do you know? Well, I think, a, 
to be honest with you, I think they're relying on the, the return to play. It's re- how quickly can we get them this through this return to play protocol? And they have these these little stages that are, you know, when you look back at it, it's arbitrary where you're like, you know, in two weeks removed from surgery, they should be here. Four weeks, they should be here. Six weeks, they should be here. And mm-hmm. and now you're, if they're not there, what's what's wrong? Why isn't it happening? So they get them from being able to walk to being able to jump to being able to run in, in long distances. And that's what really, or they're doing a balance, like BOSU ball, that type of stuff. If they can see how much wiggle they have in their knee when they're balancing on a BOSU ball. And this just these check marks of, okay, that worked, that worked. I could do that. She's good to go. Put her back on the field, uh, you know, get her back on the court or get her back in the boat, whatever it was. Um, so just to be clear, it's complicated. There's a process and there's an expert with a check checklist on a, on a uh, clipboard. Seems Sounds pretty like official to me. to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. So if the, if the, you know, and they had the letters after the name, the PT and the ATC and all those things that they're just like, Oh, we're going to, you know, it, let's not listen to the person who's studied anatomy and you know, the physiology of the body and all that stuff. Let's, let's just, you know, let's, they got the, those certifications. Yeah. Um, bizarre. So what percentage of, of, coaches in in the college world do you think know how to make people stronger because i think part of the problem here is when it comes to the people that are into functional training is that they don't actually know what strength is they probably couldn't define it and they, they probably don't know how to put someone through a program that actually makes them demonstrably measurably stronger um, yeah. if you had to guess based on the people you interacted with throughout your career in the college world what percentage of these people know how to actually make people stronger like you and jared neslin and tom pistachio Yeah. I mean, the percentage is definitely low. I mean, you're not going more than, I mean, the grand scheme of college athletics and there might be some at lower level, like division two, division three, that are actually probably doing things more correct because the people that want to go to the gym at that point or want to go to the weight room at that point, um, they're not required to. So they show up, you know, if they want to. And so they could probably train them a little better. So I guess, I don't know, uh, maybe two, 3% of of people that I've, I've met where I'll tell you the way you could, you could decide if they're, if they want to strength train, they are leaving the profession. Mm, I see. <laughs> they want to, they want to, they, they know, they see their value. And that's great. Cause I've met a, a good chunk of guys and, and um, you know, it's a definitely more male. I don't even think I now know, you know, I know more women strength coaches now being in starting strength gyms than I did as um, you know, as a strength coach in the collegiate setting. Um, but they're seeing their worth and they're realizing where the industry is headed is headed. So they're, they're getting out. Mm-hmm. So if they were a former strength coach, um, you know, they're in the tactical, they're in tactical or they're in like more of a personal setting, uh, now because they can hopefully bring intelligent programming decisions to other people. Mm-hmm. It seems like the university has turned into the place that you go. If you are comfortable being disconnected from reality, whether that's, uh, making someone stronger or your understanding of the way society or economics work. Um, it, just, <laughs> it seems like an, uh, awfully abysmal place when it comes to actually learning practical skills that, um, that are useful in the, in the real world, which is disappointing. Did you ever have the chance to compare your athletes to athletes that were not going through a strength training program to determine injury rates, performance on the field, that kind of stuff? Not to that, not to that extent. No, I, um, you know, I, I tracked a lot of my own numbers, um, as far as, um, you know, comparison between year to year. Um, the most of the places that I stayed was two, they, it was just two year stints. So I was comparing the athletes from when I first got them to 
through what would be considered, you know, a novice linear progression or how I would, how I would train them, you know, and at the same time, you're getting so sporadic, such a sporadic amount of uh, training weeks with them because they got all the breaks and you never know if they're doing anything over those breaks. So even, even if you wanted to, I don't think it could be great. There can't be great validity to it. Um, it's not a clean experiment. Yeah, it's not. But so a lot of, a lot of times, like one of the things that I've actually been trying to pull on to show because I'm getting a lot of women uh, interested saying, you know, I, I want to lift weights, but I don't want to get, I want I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to get, you know, I, I, how do I, how do I prevent that? Or I don't want to gain weight. And, you know, so I want to bring a lot of the experience from the athletes that I trained that, that were good training athletes and show the changes in their body weight or lack thereof mm. as they got stronger. Mm. Um, you know, it's, I am hoping to, you know, have a, enough to put together to kind of write something up about it. Um, just to show people that these are the athletes that respond, you know, that you could do anything, you could mm. do anything with them and they're going to respond. They're going to get stronger. So you would assume that maybe they would put on, you know, a ton of weight, specifically women, mm. uh, the women, the female athletes, um, you know, that they would get, you know, if, if this whole, if I lift weights, I'm going to get huge, um, thing was, was true that, uh, it would be apparent in, in very well, like high responding type athletes at the division, division one level. And that just wasn't the case. They, I mean, their body weight would stay steady and sure. Maybe they weren't high end nutritionally, but, um, for the most part, but they still, they were, you know, they had the, the cafeteria and all that to, to pull on and, uh, they were still getting stronger and not putting on a ton of body weight. So it was, it's, it's an interesting uh, perspective. In my world, it's it's weird to imagine that that myth is still pervasive, but I, I know that it is. <clears throat> and as I was uh, walking around the conference at the Wichita Falls Athletic Club weekend before last, I was looking at the women in attendance thinking to myself, man, we need to just pull all these women aside and do some kind of a commercial because it's like, you know, they're all toned. Um, sure. and fit looking, no one's bulky. Um, yeah. you know, Shelly's got some traps, but she's doing this shit all day with the snatch. Right. So that makes sense. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, it's like, you know, Ina Koppel, um, the gal that works for Luke over in Cincinnati, um, mm-hmm. just nothing but, but slim, great looking women that are not bulky and are strong mm-hmm. as hell. So one, yeah. one day we'll, we'll kill this myth. It'll just take us some time. Oh man. I hope it's been such yeah. an uphill battle. I, yeah. you know, I try to try to put it out there, but, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm not, I'm not petite by any means. <laughs> um, you know, so I think sometimes you get women that look at me and I, I've caught it a couple of times where they, they go to say, well, I don't want to look like, it's almost like they're going to say you. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, I mean, I could take that as a compliment. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. I work, work hard to, to put on some muscle mass, but, uh, you know, good luck because I've been, I've been working for a real long time to, to kind of try to put on some muscle mass. So I, it's not gonna happen overnight. <laughs> it's not gonna happen overnight. Um, yeah. can you think of some success stories? I, I, I'm curious about all types of sports, even golf and football. And I'd love to hear, uh, of, so even though there's no, you know, um, comprehensive data to compare what you've done with your people versus what a functional training coach might've done. I'm just curious if you have any examples of um, individual success stories where you've made tremendous progress under the bar uh, and or have helped them quite a bit in their in their sport. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I like I said, I was fortunate to work with some really, really great athletes that just that wanted to be in the weight room. And a lot of times it was they had to, you know, you're listening to your athletic trainer, or your PT, but then they still bought into um, what I was, what I was doing, what I was allowing to do. One that I could pull on her name was Bailey. Um, 
you know, and she was, she was, uh, she had a lot to go through her first couple, a couple of years before I got to her. And then she had uh, uh, shoulder surgery, biceps, uh, tendinosis surgery. I think that's where they take the, they take the tendon and they actually move it to the other side of the joint. Um, so it doesn't do essentially what it was doing prior to the, uh, prior to the surgery. And she was a pitcher. And, you know, again, there, you always have things that you don't know what's happening outside. You don't know what their, their lifestyle is like, how they're eating, um, you know, how they're recovering. It's college, let's be honest, you know, drinking, things like that. So, um, but she really, it was a great experience because she really put her, her trust in me. Like I said, whether I knew what, what she was doing outside of the gym, when she was in the gym, she believed me, she trusted me, she allowed me to kind of take her through. I said, let's just start here. And we're going to work you back. So after she had surgery, um, she came back in the gym and I think I still have her programming, um, that I started her with, you know, I talked to her athletic trainer and she was, you know, the one athletic trainer that I worked with. She's like, Hey, I see what you're doing. You know, I know you want to get these girls strong. So, you know, I've got to appease the coaches, but at the same time, I'm going to, she trusted me too, to give me a little bit of leeway. Um, you know, and she, uh, she trusted my process to get her strong again and using her shoulder. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that she turned out to be the starting pitcher and um, you know, she had this great success for her and now she's a pro. Um, but personally, I think in her life, she, you know, she has function in her shoulder. She's a mom now. So um, she has function in her shoulder and she, she, she could lift her kid. And um, you know, so I guess in the grand scheme of championship rings and, and, you know, starting, if you look at her, her stats and all that, maybe that's not as great, but, um, but she was, she got stronger. She was one of the strongest athletes on that team, mm-hmm. uh, that I, that, you know, squat wise, deadlift wise, um, she was cleaning again. Um, and then she was doing, she was benching, she was pressing, she was doing all those things. So to see that happen and know that she had that trust in me, um, that was cool. I think that that's really what, what pushed me to say, I could, I could really have an effect on these people. Like if if they really wanted me to, or if they really trusted me, I could, I could make a difference, uh, you know, in their strength and in their lives. And, and so that was a pretty cool story for me. Um, you know, like I said, it, her, her career didn't, didn't end, you know, with a championship ring, but you know, she's mom now she can lift her kid. And yeah, I'd like to think I had a little something to do with that. Hell yeah. Let's talk about the freaks. So you've got Jim Clare with the 600 pound deadlift at Denver. I imagine you had a few freaky people in the, and, and Jim's not a freak. He's just consistent. Um, he's definitely, you know, uh, further along on the athletic continuum than I am just in terms of inborn capability. But, um, there's nothing, there's nothing extraordinary about a 600 pound deadlift for a guy that's as dedicated as he is. Um, but his level of dedication is exceptional. So do you, do you have any examples of uh, freaky athletes with tons of potential that committed themselves to the process that you guided them through and you had tremendous results under the bar? Well, um, man, yeah, actually, personally, I worked with a, a girl um, uh, over at uh, Sacramento State, and she was this little, like, 100 and, man, how much is she? Probably 140, 140 pounds. Um, and she squatted 295. Um, and I think that, I mean, that worked out to a two times body weight squat. And she was a little, she was a little slapper outfielder. And uh, she was so, she just was into it. Like she just wanted to be strong. She always just tell me like, oh, my booty gains. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. So, it helps. Um, you know, so she was, uh, she was bought in, um, you know, but a- again, I think she had the, 
the potential to be there, you know, she worked hard when she was in the gym, um, you know, and that, that definitely uh, helped. Um, but I worked with a good amount of uh, that specific team that it was a softball team. Um, you know, they were, they were bought in, they, they really enjoyed being in the weight room. And, um, you know, so I had some athletes on there that had it, you know, one and a half, two times body weight squat. And, uh, it was, it was fun to watch and, and fun to, fun to coach. Um, and then as far as like me, maybe not personally programming, but when I worked under Jared and the football team, um, you know, we had some 600 pound squats and, uh, and some, some really like strong bench pressers and, and he deadlifted Oh God forbid you deadlift in the, in the collegiate setting, but he deadlifted his athletes. And, you know, uh, that's really what prompted me to do it, obviously. Please don't and, tell me um, deadlift is frowned upon. Is that what you're alluding to here? Oh, sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's going to hurt your back, right? Don't you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, dear. I don't know how you lasted as long. I don't know how Jared lasted as long as he did. Uh, you know what he, I, I think he, it's just a testament to Jared. I mean, honestly, he, uh, you know, he, he put his head down and, um, you know, I'm fortunate to know that guy, you know, he'll enjoy me saying that not really, but, <laughs> um, but he, uh, yeah, he, he just had a big influence on me and I, you know, for him to be able to do those things that he did with the different teams he worked with and, and just trust that he was making, uh, you know, a difference on his end. He, he really didn't, you know, Hey, this is what's going to happen with this team. They're when they're in the weight room, they're with me you know, and, and this is what we're going to do. And, um, you know, I can't speak to maybe his earlier years, uh, but as far as when he was at Sacramento state and where he finished his, his career, uh, in the collegiate setting, I think that he, he just knew that it was time to go because there was no longer a possibility to do that. Mm. They were going to say, you know, if you're not going to change or do this, then they're, you're not going to coach them. Mm. No, we need a guy that's going to scream and yell and, and break boards over their backs at the, in the, in the football games, you know, in the beginning of the football game. And, um, you know, that's what we need. We need the energy. And Jared's a, if you ever met, if you ever spend time with Jared, he's a chill guy. He's, oh a chill man. Guy. I don't, there was one time I saw that man mad and I was like, I don't ever want to piss that guy off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's weird. There's no correlation between how your athletes perform and how loudly the coach yells. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't seem that way to me anyways. Uh, but yeah. good, good for Jared. I'm grateful to the guy. He took a big risk coming over to work with Jay Livesey at the Denver gym because uh, they worked out a deal before any of our gyms were even open. And then Jared moved from California to Colorado. Um, he wasn't cheap. He had a nice salary at the, at the collegiate mm -hmm. level. And so Jay had to take a big risk on making sure he could uh, have something reasonably comparable pay-wise. And then... Um, then it worked out really well. You know, Jared's reputation um, helped bring people into the gym. The brand obviously brought a bunch of people into the gym. The thing grew, it's damn near full. Um, and the members are happy as can be. And they're developing great coaches. I mean, obviously you're a testament to that. Now you're the head coach at, at Beaverton. Let's talk more about Beaverton. So um, what? Uh, how, how has your approach to managing apprentices been influenced by your experience in the collegiate system? What do you... Jen, Jen uh, uh, refers to you as a bit of a hard ass, which I think is fun. Um, <laughs> what, tell me about what you expect from your apprentices and just kind of the way you approach the development process. To be honest with you, it's, they just need to know that it's not, you know, I don't think you're, I mean, maybe I take that as a bit of a compliment that I'm a hard ass. It's, oh, it's, I, it's hard. It's, it's definitely a compliment. It's hard to do. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is not an easy, it, you know, it's fun and it could be fun and it could be rewarding. And, but it's, I mean, you're, 
you're on, you're on all the time. And um, you got to make sure that you're doing things right. And you have to put, if I think if you set your expectations high enough, um, you know, then you have a, a more of an opportunity to grow into that. But if you just set yourself, ah, just do the bare minimum, you'll be okay. Um, you're not setting yourself up to be successful with these, with these gyms in particular, because there's so many opportunities coming down, uh, coming down the pipe with, you know, how many are opening and, and you want to, you know, learn to be a head coach or, or just be a coach in general in the gym. Um, it's, it's time and effort. And, yeah. you know, I think about programming and I think about different clients, even when I'm not in the gym, you know, and, and this is a lot on life. Sure. It's, you know, as you're constantly, if you're falling asleep and you're like, oh, shit, I probably should have done that. And they're programming. I got to remember to make that adjustment in my head mm-hmm. so that I can, you know, make things uh, feel good for that person. You have to be um, obsessed. You have to give a shit. Yeah. You really yeah. Care. yeah. Yeah. You, you really do. And, and um, you know, you find what you should, I think, give a shit about, you know, you realize like give and take a little bit so that you don't drive yourself nuts. Mm-hmm. But, um, but at the same time, yeah. Yeah. But you're listening to what they want, understanding their goals and, and make sure that you're, you're leading them correctly to that. Uh, so I guess in that stand, from that standpoint, you know, just w- my expectations for apprentices in general, it's, I need to know if you're really invested in this, because if you're not, I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time. Yeah. You know, and, investment, and isn't it? yeah, putting forth that effort to really show you the things that I've, I've been fortunate enough to learn and try to expedite that process of you becoming a coach because you could do it. You know, there's, there's coaches out there now that, you know, some of the examples in the gyms that they've gone from being an apprentice to being a staff coach, to being a head coach. And, and, you know, if you do that and you put the work in, you can be in that position, but if you're not going to put the work in, or if you, it's going to take you a little bit longer, just know that that's, you're just making that process harder for yourself. Um, so if I could set those expectations initially, I think it's helpful. Then you just know you weed, you weed out who's really worth it, I guess to say. Yeah, that's, that's the way to put it. Absolutely. Um, what's your coaching staff look like at the moment? Um, so we actually have, um, Adam, um, Oliver from, uh, who will be at starting strength Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, yep. so he, Yep. So he's doing, uh, he's doing our evening classes now. So, uh, during the interim till Indianapolis is open. Um, and we just got two new apprentices, um, on staff. Uh, so I'm hoping to be able to, you know, like I said, set those expectations and say, Hey, there's, there's opportunity here and it's coming quickly. So if you can, uh, put yourself in a position to, to, to understand what the model is and and learn and, and grow your, if you could show me that you could do this correctly, um, you know, there's opportunity within this gym and within the system of like Jen and Derek themselves and, and the Northwest, then you're setting yourself up for success. Yeah. Jen and Derek are going to open a second gym. Um, mm-hmm. so plenty of room, even in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so are you full then? Are you taking on apprentices? Uh, yeah, I, we always want people to, you know, I'm, 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 I want to bring this to as many people as I can, yeah. uh, personally, you know, I, but like I said, it's, I don't want to feel like if you're just, you want this to be a hobby. I think in the, you know, we've had a, a, a few run-ins where it was like, I think I want to do this, you know, shrug of the shoulders kind of, I think this is what I want to do. But then they realize like it, it actually is some hard work and they're like, oh, maybe not. I thought this could just be a hobby. And it's like, no, this is, this is my career. I take a lot of pride in it and, you know, I enjoy doing it. And, um, you know, so I want people that are going to be just as invested. Um, you know, so if, if you want to be, if you want this to be a hobby, read the books and, and train some people out of your garage and, and enjoy it. But, uh, you know, if you want to be, if you want to make this a career, uh, you know, then 
you're, you're, and you're ready to invest in that, you know, short term, you know, if you think about it, maybe as fast as if you got a, some experience, maybe as fast as six months, but if not, maybe 18 months to, you know, to two years where you're really putting in the work, getting to learn all these things, reading the books multiple times and, um, working with clients for an extended period of time. So you learn how to program then. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good timeline to, to tell people and let them know that this is what it's going to take. If uh, someone's listening to this or watching this and they want to become a starting strength coach and work at a starting strength gym and, and uh, get some training, some coaching, some mentorship from you, what's the best way to get in touch? Instagram or how, how do you prefer to be contacted? Yeah, I uh, well, I'm on Instagram. I actually, uh, Brie was actually the one that wanted me to, to make my profile not private, which was weird for me. It was just like, I want to share your video. And I'm, so, um, so I'm not private. So you can message me and I'll answer. Um, and you know, or you can reach out. I do have, uh, my, uh, starting strength gyms website, um, excuse me, email address. Um, I, it comes to my phone, so I'm answering that at all times. Um, but I don't do, uh, Twitter, um, or anything. So Instagram or, or my email for sure. Cool. And you're a shepherd. How many P's one or two? Yeah, it's two P's and then A-R-D. A Shepard, two P's, A-R-D at ssgyms.com. Yes, sir. Cool. And then last question, how do we get more of you uh, ex-collegiate folks? So if, if you share oh, this gosh. with your peers that are stuck in the collegiate system, they want to get out and they want to go to a place where the uh, trainees want to be there and where the programming is sensible and nothing else and uh, the results come along with that. <laughs> what, do, what do we do? What's your advice? Cause we have, we have you, uh, Jared Nesland, Jen full. Um, is it Lovat or love it? Darren Lovat. Uh, Lovat. Yeah. Darren Levat. Levat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you just got to know Jared Nesland. <laughs> yeah. I just know Jared. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but no, I think, uh, so was, <laughs> that's funny. Like Jen, Jen full, she took my position at Sacramento state before I, uh, before I moved back to NIU and, um, and then she took my position over at Denver. So, um, so I think we just, you know, getting to know the system and understanding like this is what we want to do. I think honestly, that's you, you got it right. I think we're trying to figure out how to get into maybe some of the seminars that, or not the seminars, but the uh, conferences there. Just make a booth and uh, go sit there and say, hey, you know, this is this is an option for you. We, you know, we do it under the guise of like, hey, look at our fancy plates, but we also want you to become and be a coach. Uh, uh, over in one of our gyms. And if you really want to make people strong in a meaningful way, um, I think it's something to look into, honestly, getting, getting to those, uh, to those conferences, some of the, they happen all the time, but if we can get our, get our name out there and, and show people that, you know, here you can, you could get strong and you could be a meaningful coach and actually not have somebody breathing down your neck to do things incorrectly. Um, you know, you, you might want to consider being in one of the gyms. Hell Yeah. That's a good spot to leave it off on, Amanda. Thank you for uh, for everything you've done. I, I mean, I know that you've moved states twice to work at these gyms. Um, I know you've made a, a big sacrifice. I know you've shown your commitment. You're clearly all in. And I think that the system has has paid you back for uh, for your level of commitment and passion. Um, and the members Absolutely. certainly appreciate it as evidenced by the fact that you were just nominated by coach, nominated as coach of the year. So congratulations again. And thank you for all that you've done. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for having me. All right, talk soon. Thanks.